Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Highland Hunter Podcast. This will be episode two. But just before I start with the episode, uh, I just wanted to give a, a big thanks, a big shout out to everyone that reached out to me after I posted the first episode just a few days ago. I had asked for some critiques from everyone and general comments on on what you thought about the episode, how I could improve it, things like that. And I, I had some pretty good feedback mostly being positive uh, and then some critiques which were expected because this is the first time I've ever done anything like this so it's going to be a little uh, a little sloppy to start but I think it can only get better from here and the more information and comments that you guys give to me the more input that I get the better it's going to be so thanks again for everyone that reached out I uh, I'm out again on another hike solo and I'm just taking a little breather because I just hiked about two and a quarter mile up one of the buttes that we have near my home. And it's two and a, two and a quarter miles to the top with 2,500 feet of elevation gain. So it took me just shy of two hours to get up here. And my legs are pretty tired. So I'm just taking a little break before I head down. And honestly, I think that's going to be the harder part going down. You know, my heart was pumping pretty good to get up here with that steep incline, but my knees take a beating on the way down. So I'm just enjoying the view from up here and figured this would be a good opportunity to record episode two, which is just going to focus on preparing yourself for your upcoming archery season. So if you go and talk to any of my friends, they'll tell you that this is the time of year where I start talking to them nonstop about hunting season about the upcoming season i ask question after question i talk non-stop about hunting and it probably drives them nuts but it's because i'm so passionate about this hobby of mine i can't stop thinking about it and it's usually right in the middle of summer where it's pretty much my main focus now hopefully everyone's been practicing with your bow or your equipment since the springtime as soon as the weather warms up and it gets nice outside ideally you should be outside shooting uh it would be preferable to shoot every day at least a few arrows but some of us don't have that luxury just leading busy lives having families kids to take care of chores around the house it gets busy but it is important to remember you got to make time to fit in that practice because you're going to need it, and the last thing you want to do is get out there unprepared and make a bad shot on an animal that could have been totally avoidable just by practicing a little bit. So if you are someone that's really busy and doesn't have the opportunity to get out every single day and shoot your bow 40, 50, 60 yards, whatever it may be, uh, you know, even shooting in your garage at a target with a good backdrop a few yards and just aiming small that's beneficial to you any type of repetition is going to be beneficial on days where i can't go out and shoot a few dozen arrows because i'm super busy uh, i'll just take a target a little block target throw it out 20 yards and i'll shoot three arrows if i'm shooting a good group great if i'm not shooting a good group you know i tend not to focus on shooting more 
after making a bunch of bad shots, I think that there's uh, another factor playing into why I'm shooting bad. So once I start shooting really poorly at close ranges, I just put it down and I come back at a later time to, to try to fix the issue. Um, that's just the way I like to practice. I don't like having to practice being frustrated that I'm not hitting targets the way I want to because I feel like it. I just get progressively worse as I do that. So I usually just lay the bow down, I come back later, and I'll try shooting again. So it is very important that you should be getting out there. It's crunch time right now. Please, please, please get that practice in because, like I said, the last thing you want to do is make a poor shot on an animal because you didn't practice. Now, another factor that's equally as important as practice is going to be physical fitness. Western big game hunting is a totally, totally different game than East Coast or Southern hunting where you're either in a blind or a tree stand. Totally different as far as the kind of cardio that you need and where you need to be strongest on your body in order to have a successful hunt. So where I'm in Montana, I live in the prairie. So 99% of the hunting that I do is spot and stalk prairie hunting. I'm using hills, coolies, drainages. I'm using all of that as cover that I need to get close to animals with. I don't have a lot of trees. You know, we don't have a lot of mountains, rock formations. Most of what I hunt's in the prairie. I have dabbled a little bit into tree stand hunting. There's a couple sections that I can hunt that have tree stands available. I just don't have the attention to, I don't have the attention to stay there and sit and wait. I need to move all the time. So when it comes to physical fitness, cardio is number one. You need to get your legs in shape. Now, whether it's going on an hour hike with a weighted pack or it's running on the treadmill, the bicycle, whatever it may be, at least get your lungs ready. I've been using the exercise bike quite a bit, and I have noticed a significant benefit to that when it comes to hiking up hills. My legs get tired way less. I'm not as tired when I get to the top of the hill, and I just feel much better. My, my hip flexors are stronger. My hamstrings, my quads, my calves, they're all stronger. I try to do about 30 minutes a workout on that exercise bike at least three to four times a week. And then I supplement in other cardio, whether it's 15-minute run on the treadmill or just hiking like I just did. Um, this hike that I'm doing today, round trip, is going to be about four hours, and it's extremely strenuous. But, you know, I, I had to go do something today. I was just feeling kind of lazy, so I'm going to just kick my own ass and just suffer the consequences later. So make sure you're getting that cardio in. And make sure, if, if you can, get it done in the boots that you're going to be wearing out there in the field. If you're going to go on a hike, make sure you bring in whatever hunting boot you're going to wear when you're out there hunting. It, it's going to break them in and it's going to have your feet adapt to how that shoe or boot fits. So that's an important factor as well. Now, when it comes to weight training, I do a lot of weight training 
in the winter and springtime, but right about now, like a month before the actual season starts, I switch to more calisthenic body weight workouts. And the reason for that is because I've never really found any benefit in having heavy bench press or heavy squats and deadlifts as far as helping me get through the hills or mountains wherever I'm hunting better. It helps when you're packing out the meat because you can carry 100 pounds in your pack. But I think if you have the cardio and you start doing more calisthenic style workouts and a lot of air squats, your legs are already going to be there. So at best, those heavy weight workouts are going to help you move the animal a little bit better on the ground. But as far as moving it in your pack, you know, it's going to come from your base, which is going to be your legs. So focus on air squats, focus on high rep, low weight, weighted squats. You know, the deadlift is great, but if you have lower back issues, it's not a very good workout to be using or risking injury because you need to have very good proper form on a deadlift in order to not injure yourself. So I take very few risks with weightlifting when it gets closer to the season because I just do not want to miss my archery season because I blew my back out trying to deadlift 400 pounds. So I try to avoid that, stick with the body weight stuff, and try to shed a few pounds. The less weight that I can have on my frame when it comes to archery hunting, the better. My body's just going to perform better. So make sure you're getting your repetitions in for practice and make sure that you're trying to get yourself in as, as good a shape as you possibly can. It's only going to help you have a more successful and enjoyable hunting experience. So the next thing that you need to make sure that you've got ready to go is property permission. I've had way more success asking private landowners for permission before the season than during because during the season you just have random people showing up at their house all throughout the day sometimes waking them up early in the morning because they want to hunt that property at daylight and it really frustrates landowners uh, to the point where they are sometimes even putting up no trespassing private property signs be at their driveways so people don't come up and talk to them Go out in the afternoon, late morning, meet and greet with these people, and just talk to them about, the per about obtaining permission to hunt their property. And be specific about how you hunt. I usually like to tell them, listen, I, I walk in hunt everywhere I go. You know, I don't destroy property. If I see a down fence, I usually fix it. I pick up trash sell yourself to them make sure that they are understanding that you're out there to hunt and to respect private property at the same time um, just making basic conversation with them helps and just give them an idea of who you are as a person that's helped me out pretty much every time there are some areas where you're just not going to get private access permission they just don't let anyone hunt except for family. Those are really tough spots to get. For the most part, I've been pretty successful in getting permission most of the places that I want. And that's because I go out before the season, 
I talk to them, develop a small relationship, and go from there. And if they say no, hey, they say no. But at least you try. That's the worst they could say is no. So figure out which properties you want to hunt. Try to obtain that permission and go from there. If you live out of state and you're coming out west for a hunt, get on your Onyx Maps or any other landowner information map that you use and find out what their mailing address is and send them a letter or call them if you can find their phone number. I feel like uh, a, a handwritten or a typed out letter that's mailed to them has more, it's more personal than just reaching out with a phone call. And you can put all the information in there and specify which property you want to hunt and who you are, type of hunter you are, things of that nature. So that's also a really good way to obtain permission if you don't have the opportunity to actually go to their house and talk to them face to face. Now, if you're more of a public land hunter, then get on your Onyx maps and study the crap out of your satellite and your topo maps. Find out where the animals are going to be by looking for three things that they need. Water, food, and shade. Okay, that's where the animals are going to be. So out in Montana, you'll find a lot of land that's owned by either the state or Bureau of Land Management. Then once you get into more of the mountainous terrain, it's going to be uh, the, the U.S. Forest Service, National Forest Land. That's all public land. And there are different stipulations as far as what you can do in certain areas of that public land. But for the most part, you can hunt them. And um, if you can find those public land access points and then get permission from the private landowners in the surrounding area, you've just opened up so much more opportunity for yourself. And the benefit of the private property that's butted up against the state is that the state land and the BLM land is going to be more coolies, drainages, uneven land dense uh, shrub, shrubbery or trees. And then the private land is going to be your ag fields where they're growing soybeans, lentils, barley, grain, oats, whatever it may be. The properties that I like to hunt the most are the private ag fields up top that are surrounded by drainages, coolies, and ditches that are owned by the state or BLM. Because I know that if they have shade and cover in those drainages and coolies and probably water at the bottom, they're going to come up and out in the mornings and evenings to feed in the ag fields and go back. And in September, most of the ag fields are already cropped. So all of the leftover remnants of that field, whatever they couldn't pick up with their combines, that's what the deer are going to be feeding on. And they love peas, they love lentils, they love oats. Find those fields that have been cropped. You're going to see deer there in the morning or night. It's almost a guarantee. So right now is a perfect time of year to get out and find the fields that are growing those types of products. You know, we don't have a lot of corn being grown in Montana. Like I said, most of what we have out here is oats, peas, and grains. You don't really see a lot of corn but deer do love cornfields as well. So get out, find the fields that are growing the beans, 
or the oats and start scouting. It's a perfect time of year to scout because at the end of July, early August, you can already tell which deer are most likely going to be promising come September. Same with the elk. If you're hunting in an area that has elk out in the flats where they come down off the mountains and start feeding in those ag fields or alfalfa fields, you can scout and see which bulls or which bucks are going to be promising. They have significant growth by now. I just saw a deer about a week ago that had to have mule deer. He was already between 140 and 150, and he's going to be a tank of a deer come September. I would have shot him now if it was open season. So he's going to be a big one. I'm going to try and get some permissions around that area to try and hunt him. But it is a known area to be restricted to people that aren't within family as far as that land goes for permission to hunt. And a lot of the scouting that I do, I can just do from my truck, to be honest. It's so flat out here that if you do get those, get up to those agricultural fields, get a spotting scope out or some really good binoculars or even a camera. Cameras are great too. Find the deer in the mornings or the evenings and you really only have to go out once a week if that's the kind of scouting you're going to do and if you have that, that opportunity to get out once a week. Once I find a deer that I want to take, I'm out there at least once a week making sure that he's staying in the same area. If he's there mid-August, there's a very good chance he's going to be there opening week of archery season. Now, things that will push them away is going to be when they crop those fields. If they crop those fields and there's no other food in the area for them, they will move, but they're probably not going to go very far. So you're just going to have to find them again. I have noticed that I'll scout deer for a month long time and then they come in and they crop everything and the deer are gone. They've, they've moved on. And I do eventually find them, but you're going to have to go maybe a mile or two away from where you used to see them all the time. So it's, it's hard to pattern where they're going to come out and feed once those fields are cropped. But you know they're going to be in the area. And that's really the biggest thing. You're going to have to spend time most likely out there to find the deer again and pattern him again once those fields have been cropped. The buck that I shot two years ago... I saw him the first day I went out to go hunt. I actually didn't scout him beforehand. I was new to the area, and I just picked a random block management access point. I went down there the first day that I was able to go out for archery season, and within 20 minutes, I see this giant deer still in velvet, and he was huge. It took me three weeks of hunting him. I hunted him probably four times within those three weeks in order to actually kill him. And he ended up measuring about 185. I'm still waiting to get it measured for Pope and Young officially, but the green score was 185 and 7 eighths. And it's my best deer that I've ever shot. And it's um, he was on public land. So you do get lucky just getting out there and getting on your feet, walking in away from the road. You're going to see animals, especially if they have those three things in the area. 
shade, water, and food. So that's uh, that's pretty much it as far as what I can recommend getting ready for this upcoming archery season. Those are the those are the most important in my opinion. As long as you're getting your repetitions in and practice, and you're you're happy with the way your your equipment is shooting, and you know it's on target up to whatever you like to shoot. I, I like to shoot out to 60 because I know that I, that's my limit. I know that my broadheads are able to hit a 10-inch plate at 60 yards accurately all the time because that's what I practice. Um, practice different angles, uphill, downhill. Practice shooting behind trees. Practice shooting on your knees. Practice shooting on your butt. And if you're a tree stand guy, practice shooting out of a tree stand. Cardio, again, get out there, start hiking, break those boots in, build those lungs up, get those legs ready to go. You need to have your cardio there if you're going to do a Western big game hunt. You're going to be covering miles. As I mentioned in the first episode, when I go hunt elk, I'm covering 10 to 12 miles a day hiking just to find the animals or stalking them. Either way, it usually ends up being between 10 and 12 miles a day. So you got to be ready for that. Scout those animals. Find the buck that you want to shoot or the bull that you want to shoot. Figure figure them out. You know, try to pattern them to the best that you can. And then get that permission from the landowner if he's on private. You know, it might not happen every time. But like I said, the worst they could say is no. Just go in there, ask Face-to-face is preferable. If not, just make phone calls or write letters. And um, just try to sell yourself as a, as a good, responsible, ethical hunter. So if you can get all those things knocked out ahead of time and make sure that you're as prepared as you can before the season starts, it can only help you in having a more successful and enjoyable hunt this year. So do what you can to get everything in order and be ready. Because... I'm excited. I need more practice. I need to get my cardio a little bit better. I still have some time, about another month or so, but I can't wait to get out there and try to find that trophy buck again. So I hope any information that I gave to you today just kind of kicks you in gear if you haven't quite gotten there yet. Like I said, it's crunch time. We, We have to be ready for the season to start. And we're running out of time. So thanks again for listening. You know, get out there. Get your hard work in. Get your practice in. And shoot me a message if you have any questions. Uh, Shoot me a message if you have any comments or suggestions for, for future podcasts. Feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram. And ask questions, leave your comments, suggestions, critiques of this podcast. I know it's nothing, there's no new information that I gave you. I'm just trying to make everyone realize that it's it's go time. It's time to get your stuff squared away. And we're running out of time. So shoot me a message. Get a hold of me. Let me know what you think. Listen up for the next episode. Uh, hopefully I'll have a guest on for that one. And we can dive into a little bit more technical stuff about how to spot and stalk or how to successfully make an archery shot on an animal. We'll see. 
But uh, thanks again for listening and get your asses in gear. It's almost go time.